Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Secret of Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. The views expressed on The Secret to Everything are not necessarily those of the host, the co-host, or our guest. All medical information given is for informational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose any disease or condition. Please see your medical doctor or qualified health practitioner if you have any further questions. And as always, thank you for listening. Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, N.D., CNH, is the best-selling author of the ebook The Secret to Everything, Manifesting the Life You Desire, Now. Available on Amazon. She has practiced naturopathic medicine for over 20 years. She is a gifted intuitive, medium, empath, paranormal investigator, and remote viewer. She travels and gives classes and lectures across the country, as well as taking limited private clients. Trained in many modalities of healing, Dr. Kimberly has been practicing energy healing exclusively for the last 10 years. Dr. Kimberly has the ability to raise your vibration in person or long distance, and as a result, change everything in your life for the better, forever. A gifted transformationalist, she has developed TEB, or Transformational Energy Balancing, in order to facilitate permanent and rapid healing in her clients. Her desire is to be your last healer. And now, the host of The Secret to Everything, Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for listening. We have an amazing and very special show for you this evening. I'm really looking forward to it. Tonight, um, TJ from Intuitive Paranormal Society will be joining us in a minute. But for now, I believe we have Walt on the air from GotSpirits.org. And I think we have the infamous, I just feel like saying infamous today, Kara, um, infamous especially since you um, just jumped on. And <laughs> Kara from um, Strange Days Indeed Radio, also heard here on Blog Talk Radio on various assorted days and various assorted times. Kara, do you want to tell us when the next time we can hear you um, is after tonight? Oh, well, you know, the first thing I want to plug is I just found out that my good friends Larry and Denise Altman from St. Augustine are going to be on the Halloween special of My Ghost Story. So I'm not quite sure when the Halloween special airs. I'll have to check Google. Um, But if you go to my Facebook page, which is Strange Days Indeed Radio, uh, you'll see um, a little link to their information. But I'm just extremely excited that their episode from their haunted antique shop in St. Augustine is finally airing for the My Ghost Story Halloween special on A&E. Wow, that's cool. That sounds really neat. So you know them personally? I do know them um, semi-personally through my first radio job. So, yeah, they've become um, pretty good online friends, and they live right up the road in Florida. So I'm hoping to get over and see them sometime. But they're they're my buddies. 
Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Okay, now what about you? When's your show on? Um, my next show will be on on Tuesday during the day at 2 p.m., but you can always listen to the podcast uh, later. But it's blogtalkradio.com slash strange days indeed. And I'm going to have um, a mortician psychic. Well, she doesn't want to be called psychic, but it's basically she was a mortician and an embalmer and a cre- uh, did cremations. But she also is a sensitive intuitive. And she's written a whole book called Restless in Peace about her memoirs of all these crazy things happening at a funeral home. So I'm just super excited to have her on. It's a little bit darker than I'm used to for a show lately. You mean, (laughs) wait, 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 darker than Hunter and Jack? Is that possible? (laughs) Darker than tonight? You, I'm, you I'm just taking me out of my comfort zone. So. Oh yeah, we like to go. We like to go. Um, what is it? Transform if you dare, Kara. Transform if I'm, you I'm dare. I'm baby who like covers myself up with a blankie. I'm not hardcore anymore at all. Oh, you're a little bunny rabbit. That's sweet. <laughs> That sounds really interesting. I, I this is just a little bit of a plug for Kara's show or for her guests. I go to Barnes and Noble and I stand in front of the metaphysical section for hours. And I actually just pulled out that book a little while ago, and my daughter convinced me um, not to buy it because I already had like eight other books. So, and as anyone who knows me knows, like I have time to read anyway. So anyway, um, Walt, do you yes. have some announcements for us? Of course I do, Kim. Kim, we have a very exciting lineup happening over the next few weeks, so please join us for a Halloween special on October 31st. The Dr. Kim Show will be starting at 9 p.m., so put the kids to bed and grab some of their candy and popcorn and tune in with Canada's own Crypt Paranormal because they will be spending the full two hours with us over some incredible EVPs and some stories that will make you want to sleep with the light on. Uh, and then we have Richard Rulin, and he will be discussing some incredible things with the Wraith Project. So be sure not to miss this very special Halloween uh, event at 9 p.m. Then we'll be featuring internationally recognized author Dr. Robin Kelly from the U.K., and he will be on November 7th, and he will be talking about energy medicine. Then on November 14th, we have the great Jennifer Alhassa, and she's a cancer coach, and she'll be discussing some natural uh, approaches to curing cancer with, with cancer survivor and coach Sheila Yorich. And as always, you can find us on Twitter for Dr. Kim. She is at Serene Wellness. Me, I'm at Ghost Hunter Walt. Then we have TG at Intuitive underscore PS. Then we have the lovely Kara and she is at Coast, number two Coast, Kara. And last but not least, we have Kareem at King Cashflow. That's cash with a K and no W on the flow. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to Kareem, we need to get you a, an easier, um, an easier uh, name for, for Twitter. Well, first we need to get him back on the radio show. That'd be oh, a good start. Oh, is that on? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Okay, my bad. Yeah, and UFOs me. abducted him. It's a big conspiracy. Yeah, so like you know, weeks now. that's what happens on this show. People get like, knocked <laughs> off and they disappear. It's like working we're at talking, the White House. We won't even we talk about, about men in black, and next thing you know, it's over. 
That's right. We, we won't even um, hey, you're gonna scare guests. Don't talk about what really happens on our show. They might get scared <laughs> and hang up. Right, be good, you guys. Be good. People who help out. Um, if you invest to write or email Dr. Kim, you may do so at Dr. That's D R dot Kim dot S T E at Gmail dot com. And if you have any questions about the paranormal or just want to email me, my website is www.gotspirits.org. Uh, now back to you guys. Uh, okay. Well, we have some very amazing and exciting guests, and I have something I want to talk about. But just so you guys hang on who are dropping by to check us out, we have Hunter Shea and Jack Kim. See, well, I don't know how to say his name. Do you care? He said um, it. He's going to correct us, but I think it's Camp Sini. He's probably shuddering on hold right now. So Yeah, he's probably like, no, that's not my name. Um, well, so we'll let him say his name. We'll just it isn't that. the first time we've slaughtered a last name. So. Well, you know it won't smooth? be the last. That's true. Did you notice how smooth the intro was? Is that not like the most beautiful smooth? We have not had that ever. I think that's like one of the only times we got through the intro without something really wild happening. So I'm a little nervous. Oh, well, don't get used to it. I know. I'm not. But they are from um, the month. Monster, <laughs> Monster Men <laughs> podcast, and we'll let them tell you about that. And also, um, Hunter is an author of some books that you may or may not have read, and we will talk some more about them in a few minutes. And then the second hour, we have Marty and Michael Perry. Yes, they are married from SpiritArt.com. I think it's .com, Kara, if you'd like mm-hmm. to check them out ahead of time. And they are a very interesting pair to be sure, and we will tell you a little bit more about them later. So before we introduce our guests, I just want to say to anyone who follows my work and me and SecretToEverything.com, Jared Hewitt and I, and Jared was on a number of weeks ago, we are announcing very soon a very super special um, December program. I'm really excited. You actually get um, six hours of live healing and intuitive advice along with multiple, multiple frequency MP3s that are made just for this program, and he's throwing in a bunch of stuff also. So it's going to be like a $3,000 value for $300, and we are launching that. It's going to be very exclusive. It's going to be very severely limited, and keep an eye on secrettoeverything.com. You can go there and put your name in for a free gift from me or go to um, jaredhewitt.com for a free gift from him, and we will let you know. Um, you'll be signed up for a mailing list. We will let you know about that program as it evolves. So I just wanted to mention that. And now Kara is going to introduce our guest. And if you'd like to call in, as always, 646-564-9712. They, we'd love to hear your um, comments, questions, and compliments. Just be nice. So, Kara? <laughs> well, tonight we have Hunter Shea and Jack Campsini of the Monster Men podcast. I'm just going to read a little bit about each one before I bring them on. Uh, Hunter Shea is the author of the novels Forest of Shadows and Evil Eternal, Swamp Monster Massacre, and the upcoming Sinister Entity. His stories have appeared in numerous magazines, including Dark Moon Digest, Morpheus Tales, and the upcoming anthology Shocklines, Fresh Voices, and Terror. His obsessions with all things horrific has led him to real-life exploration of the paranormal, interviews with exorcists, and other things that would keep most people awake with the lights on. He is also half of the Monster Men video podcast, a fun look at the world of horror. You can find about find about his latest travails and communicate with him at huntershay.com that's www.huntershay.com and I'll post a Twitter Facebook page in the chat room 
Um, it's also Monster Men 13 channel on YouTube. Now for Jack, before we bring him on, Jack Campsini is a monster man. Well, to be more accurate, he's one half of the Monster Men, a video podcast that he co-hosts with his buddy, Hunter Shea, who we just talked about. Monster Men is a web show that covers all things horror and paranormal, but it does it with a sense of humor. He likes to describe it as a lighthearted conversation about dark subjects. Jack grew up glued to shows like The Night Stalker, Creature Feature, Chiller's Theater, and even The Munsters. This trend continued through the years with The X-Files, Supernatural, Ghost Hunters, and The Walking Dead. His DVD collection covers everything from Fright Night to Dawn of the Dead. Jack is a humorist, blogger, and podcaster, and a social media professional who's produced and co-hosted a variety of internet productions. Um, including Purple Goldfish video podcast and MRA Hot Seat video interview series. His blog, Back and Back and Jack, covers pop culture, TV, movies, books, etc. And his other blog is Social Jack, so definitely check that out. And I know I missed some things on these bios, but I'm sure they will correct me. So without further ado, let's bring on Hunter Shea and Jack Campsini. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Welcome, both of you. Thank you so much for being on this evening. Okay, I have a question. This is my I get first question. The first uh, question has to be about Jack's last name. It's yeah, you guys name. are butchering my last name worse than Jason from Friday the 13th. Sorry. Oh, I knew it. I, oh, I knew it. <laughs> it's Jack Camp Easy, like Camp Easy. Camp Easy. There's Camp no easy. N. <laughs> Camp Easy, yep. No N. No yeah. N in there. No N. Okay. That's not a camp that. you want to send your kids to. Yeah. <laughs> well, it might be. Um, okay, here's my second question then. So we got that straight, and our apologies. Um, what You guys are in different area codes. How did you guys get together? You want to take that, Jack? Uh, Hunter and I met each other. Uh, we worked together, and I can recall one of our first conversations. He had a Spider-Man bobblehead doll on his desk. And we started talking about Spider-Man, and it turned out we both had the same Spider-Man record album from when we were kids. That led to a, a beautiful friendship where we discovered that we've been living separate but sort of parallel lives of watching way too many horror movies and TV shows and collecting all this in our heads. And we, we kind of determined that we were brothers from another mother. <laughs> that is the truth it's amazing because in talking to each other over the years we discovered that as kids we were going he lives in Connecticut I live in New York but we were going to even the same movie theaters without knowing each other as kids to see the same movies that really parents should be locked up for letting their kids go see when they're 9 <laughs> and 10 years old <laughs> that's funny well my mother took me to strip teas in the 4th grade so Oh, but that's a whole other subject. <laughs> now the boys are like, I wanted that mother. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that's bad, Kara. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so you guys found out that you had a lot in common. You enjoyed the same strange um, things in your spare time. So how did that evolve? That friendship evolve into a Monster Men podcast? How did that kind of happen? Well, I've um. I've been involved with social media since it sort of reared its head uh, a few years ago and suddenly everything had to do with the Internet and Facebook and Twitter and all that. Um, and we're both a couple of hams. 
And so we've been talking about doing something like this for a while. But then as Hunter's um, novels or, or writing career started to take off, it started to make sense that we'd do something that would help, you know, connect with fans of the genre and uh, of the whole paranormal thing in general. It'd be a great way to, you know, fuel his blog, connect with people. It was a, a great outlet for me uh, to have fun and get creative. And so it just started making sense, and I think it just went from there. I mean, for years, Jack and I had talked in the office or outside, and we were and we would just go on these riffs about, you know, our favorite um, ABC horror movies of the week that they did in the 70s and stuff. And after a while, we were like, you know, we really should do a show, and we talked about it for years. Um, and then it finally, you know, once uh, yeah, I got my first book put out, Jack was like, you know, this would be a great thing that you could do to just help promote your book. And now it's become its its own thing. It's separate from the book. It's just a blast to do. Well, I have seen a few. And one thing I like about you guys is I like your honesty. I think you approach the different topics from a humorous but um, kind of honest, you know, you, you really don't pull any punches whether you're talking about, you know, subjects or paranormal teams or I just kind of like the way you come at it. Is that deliberate or is that just a reflection of your personality? And the beauty is that we have to answer to no one, so we can say uh, anything that we want, okay. which is always good. Um, although I do, well, you know, we try to be careful. We try to be G-rated or PG, at least PG-rated, so that way everybody can enjoy it. Um, but yeah, we don't have anybody breathing down our back, so we just turn that camera on and we just let it fly. It's great. It's definitely reflective of our personalities, but it also is um – we sort of purposely picked a format, number one, because we're busy and so we just don't have time uh, to do it. But we pick topics, and we might do a little bit of preparation for it, but we basically pick a topic and just start talking from from the top of our head. So everything that we say is spontaneous, um, you know, for the most part. We may jot a few notes down before we start. and. I think we fuel each other as far as being honest about things. I know there. I know. I think I know one of the episodes you watched because a couple of those ghost hunting shows who we can be a little bit critical of, um, and I think that's what makes us stand out a little bit. Um, you know, in the sea of all these um, genre kind of um, podcasts and shows. Yeah, I like that point that you're not, at least right now, you don't have anyone to answer to. Maybe someday uh, that'll evolve into, you know, some kind of TV thing or syndicated. I think, would you be open to that if it evolved that way? Hell yeah. We, yeah, we, we would we'd sell our souls in a second. <laughs> no more honesty here, folks. <laughs> the other thing is, though, we definitely come at it a little bit more skeptical than other people. So, we have open minds, but we're not we don't believe everything that we see, so I think that comes out too like we we definitely are curious as to what's out there, but you know we also have sort of a fold our arms together and uh and prove it to me kind of attitude right i mean I mean even for me, who has had a couple of undeniable paranormal experiences i still I still look at it when other people give me a story, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I believe that, and I don't, you know if people don't believe mine, that's fine. And I'm not entirely sure what happened to me, so I'm I'm still extremely skeptical. Well, I think it's healthy that you both take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it would be unhealthy to just start breathing in and believing everything. 
But my question for you guys is, what scares you? I mean, when you're so involved with um, watching horror and writing about horror, does it scare you, or is real life more of a scary thing? Real life's definitely more scary. In, in the latest episode of Monster Man, we just did our Halloween episode, I tell the story of um, there's a place up in Massachusetts that was recently knocked down, but it was in the movie Session 9. It was the Danvers State Hospital, and it was a big abandoned, haunted, supposedly insane asylum that was just a monstrous place. And basically I was driving home from a baseball game with a friend of mine, and we decided to park the car and sneak up through the woods and, and go to this place. And I was telling Hunter in the show, I was like, I was more scared of kids doing drugs and homeless people and getting caught by the cops than I was from ghosts. Now, if the door had been unlocked and we were able to actually get in the place, then maybe I would have added ghosts to what I was scared of. But in that case, it was the real world that was, you know, I was more concerned about. I mean, I was the same way as a kid. I, I had I grew up with a movie theater two blocks from my house, and the big thing to do, my father would say, you know, here's your allowance on a Saturday, which would be about $5. Well, that got you in to see a double feature, and you could stay in that movie theater all day. And the rule was I had to get home in time for dinner as long as I was out of sight until then. <laughs> so I would spend Saturdays and Sundays watching over and over again American Werewolf in London and the Howling double feature or Dawn of the Dead. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, even at a young age, none of that scared me. What frightened me most was the thought of people breaking into my house. Those oh, are the yeah. things that mm-hmm. up at night. So if, if I reacted to a sound at night, I, I knew it wasn't a monster under the bed, but it could be that guy who looked suspicious earlier in the day walking through the neighborhood. So that was the one thing that really scared me. I'll tell you what, when I was little, I mean really little, obviously movies scared me. I remember you talk about your parent taking you to see striptease. When uh-huh. I was a kid, my dad was great. I would watch all those um, midnight horror movies. Um, and things, and I remember him coming in and getting me out of bed to watch a, a, a PBS version of Dracula that was like a three-parter, and you know the music alone was scary in that in the imagery and movies like that. As a little kid, scared the hell out of me, but I loved it at the same time. And I'd go to bed, and I might leave my clock radio on so the light would be on, or you know turn the hall light on a little bit brighter so I you know wasn't in the dark. But then as I got older, you know I wasn't afraid of horror movie like I saw the Amityville horror and I didn't blink and my friend was you know hiding under his chair so I think uh you, you grow to love it and the fear was part of the fun see, and now this is why we're part of the monster men I didn't know that Jack saw that my father woke me up to see that same Dracula thing on PBS <laughs> so we had never talked about that before he told I was like oh my god I got the whole flash of that entire series in my head just now and oh. I didn't leave my lights on I loved it I was comforted Mike if you looked in my, I wish I took pictures as a kid because half of my room was just horrific scenes from horror magazines, and then the other half was like you know Lonnie Anderson and Cheryl Teagues. It was a very <laughs> strange room. <laughs> yeah, I had a Cheryl Teagues poster too. Did you, did you have a lava lamp too? I'm just kidding. You know what? We have one now. My daughter has a lava <laughs> lamp. So things come full circle. Um, like for me, for me growing up, uh, my scary shows were The Exorcist or. Um, uh, Salem's Lot, oh, yeah. stuff like that. Um, what was your uh, most scariest show that you guys ever saw? To yeah, me, I love Salem's Lot. Go ahead. What's that? 
I said I loved Salem's Lot, but go ahead, Hunter. You were about to say something. Uh, you know, I'm actually looking at the movie that's, that kind of freaked me out growing up, uh, The Entity, with Barbara Hershey, where oh. it's uh, based on a true story where she was being sexually molested by a spirit um, and was even even at the time under scientific you know observation, and they were watching this happen to this, this woman. And so this was Hollywood's take on it, but I remember that. That unnerved me. We have a show called What Scared You As a Kid. It was one of the first ones we did. And we both talked about movies that, that really scared us as kids. And we both laughed because when we got to see them later on in life, we couldn't believe that we were scared of them as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I saw oh, a movie, like which I don't know if it was a made-for-TV movie or not, but it was called Let's Scare Jessica to Death. And I was watching it with my father by the fire, and then he got, I don't know if he got a phone call, or he had to do something upstairs. And so he left me alone, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, you know, hiding under the coffee table, and, you know, holy crap, this is scaring the heck out of me. Years later, when YouTube came out, I start looking it up, and I'm watching it going, now, if I watch this now, it would put me to sleep. But I, I love that <laughs> that as a kid, it was something that terrified me. Well, it's like that one that I, I love, Terror Train or Terror Express. It's with Telly Savalas, and I think Peter Cushing or David Niven. And there's this creature on a train, and at the very end you see this guy with these white eyes. He kind of looks like a crazy, dirty Jesus. That, as a little kid, scared me. And when I started dating my wife, I would tell her about this movie. Like it's, it was mythological almost. And uh, we found the movie, and I rented it, and I said, you got to see this, the scariest thing ever. And we watched it, and I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> this is not scary at all. It's boring. Uh, and she kind of looked at me like I had five heads. Like, and the other pivotal TV movie and TV show that both of us, this is kind of one of those things that brought us together, was uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, which was Darren McGavin. And there was a TV movie where he took on a vampire, and then they turned it into a TV show where there was sort of a monster of the week kind of thing. He was a reporter. Um, and the movie itself, was a, a scary movie for a TV movie, especially back in 1972. Um, and th that is, like, probably the movie that made me absolutely bonkers in love with the horror genre because that was this bumbling, goofy guy who gets, you know, thrown into supernatural circumstances and then somehow figures out a way to vanquish the monster at the last second. Um, and it was, you know, it was scary, but it was funny at the same time. You know, that show made me want to become a reporter for the Weekly World News so I can investigate werewolves and write. Oh, I loved that. that. I, I was obsessed with that magazine. I walked around Kmart because my mom would shop for hours. But that's probably what got me into the paranormal was Weekly World News when I was a kid. I love, I used to have a radio show in college, and one of the things I would do when I had the noon slot and I knew everybody was in the cafeteria, I would just read some of those crazy articles. <laughs> for that hour, love that. Get the that, Bat uh, Boy on my magazine sometimes. <laughs> I loved it when uh, Alien Boy, or Bat Boy backs Clinton. I'll never forget <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, Bat Boy got a lot of play for a few years, boy. Um, I just want to let everybody know that we do have another co-host who's dropped in, and that is TG. Say hi, TG. Hello. Hi, TG. Uh, how you doing? Hello. Um, how you doing, uh, Hunter and uh, Jack? I believe it is. Yeah, hi, TJ. Yeah. Nice Hello, to meet Dennis. you. Nice meeting you. 
Actually, uh, you know, I have a question. I've been hearing uh, the show, and I was like, well, you know, I know you guys are talking about a lot of the old shows um, that kind of, you know, you guys grew up with, or if not, at least ended up seeing on TV. But um, I know I myself, I used to watch, um, kind of stay up at night and watch In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. That, we love that show. I think we mentioned In Search of every other episode of my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. used to watch. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just in search of is how we cut our teeth on, you know, uh, Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and UFOs and ghosts. I mean, that's where we got our first exposure on all these, I'll do air quotes, actual things that are in the world. And that show actually scared me more than any TV show could or movie. For me, it had validity because Leonard Nimoy was the source of the information, and if it was good enough for Spock, it was good enough for me. <laughs> that's so true. I used to—I I remember watching a lot of his shows, um, and that's you know just the same, the same way. It's like a lot of the um, UFOs. I mean, that's the whole—that's the whole reason that I kind of know, you know, or at least I should say, got introduced to everything because I used to watch you know a lot of those shows from uh, from uh, In Search of. And I remember just you know, trying to watch it week week after week, just seeing what else was going to be on there. And I thought, you know, what 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 other uh, paranormal or craziness is there? Um, but yeah, Leonard uh, Nemo would go ahead and kind of narrate it, and then he was just so good. And then of course, um, I remember that one. I, I can't remember it that good, but it was that one episode where um, it was a place. I just remember it was like in the jungle, and and some man he made all kinds of rocks, you know, put them all together, and you could just like move them like nothing. And supposedly he was able to lift them. And then whenever anybody's seen him, he would go ahead and stop. And then, you know, he you wouldn't know, be listening. I think, um, was that the Coral Castle? That's the guy down in Florida? Or there's something similar to it where a guy down in Florida single-handedly built this entire stone estate where things are so heavy they don't know how he did it by himself and you can move everything with the, with just your finger. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the one. That's the one I, I remember seeing. Yeah, that was freaky. I remember that. I really so, wanted to get Nowadays, they have today. shows the equivalent of In Search of, but they've got much more technology. They've got Factor Faked on the Sci-Fi Channel, where they actually built like a, a Stonehenge and things like that and showed how using leverage and, and scientific um, theory and principles, they were able to, to do some of that stuff. And then there's Monster Quest, too. And one thing that we were saying is little kids now have these plethora of there's ghost ch- shows on every five minutes um yep. it shows like monster quest and and uh and factor fake that are you know supposedly um scientifically tackling some of this stuff yeah it was great. the best because it had kind of like that grainy news film that they probably got somewhere up in canada it had the eerie soundtrack leonard nimoy his voice was just perfect like everything yeah. combined to make it just spine tingling I think nowadays yeah, there's a ton of stuff out there, but I think it's kind of too slick, too mm-hmm. overproduced, so I don't think it really gets that that visceral kind of fear into people when they watch it. Oh, yeah. And then I remember even watching uh, just segments of That's Incredible, and on That's Incredible they would also show stuff about paranormal UFOs, honking, ghosts like that. Um, that was also, of course, another one would be uh, like Unsolved Mystery uh, that they used to go ahead and uh, kind of do back then as well. Yeah, they filmed Unsolved Mysteries by me a couple of times. Oh, really? Because I lived in uh, the Hudson Valley region, so that's when the, the UFO flap was going on. So they were doing recreations nearby, and people were calling into the police saying, 
there's something strange in the sky. <laughs> but it was really just a prop. Oh, <laughs> as they were doing the filming then, that's what it was. Yeah, when they were filming the show, that's when you saw it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, you know, being I just uh, uh, got on, um, was there, like, say for me, I know that a lot of the um, uh, liking the horror movies, it, it, you know, either I, w- I would stay up at nighttime and kind of watch it, and then I almost felt like I had my own paranormal experiences uh, as well at, you know, at home after watching a lot of these shows. Uh, but um, yourselves, did you guys ever experience a paranormal experience that, maybe got you more interested into um, a lot of these horror horror shows? Want me to take this, Jack? Hunter, you have you have better stories than I do. Want me to go first yeah. and then get, let you do your thing? Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Well, for me, um, I have not personally seen a ghost, but I know a lot of people who claim to have. And, you know, I've been in a room full of people where I talk to one person who tells me something, then I walk over to somebody else who maybe I just met that night, and without prompting them, they tell me the similar story. And this happens four times, you know, that I'm like, all right, wait a minute. They didn't plan this ahead of time, and they're all telling the same story about some little girl at this person's house that they all see. Or, you know, very good friends of mine who, you know, ha- have had experiences, which led me to, before there was the Internet and all of these, um, you know, paranormal investigation shows and societies and things, me and my buddy Tom used to just go, we'd like, we were sitting around a bonfire and somebody would tell a story about this cursed village in Connecticut. Well, we just went to the library one day, looked it up in some books, found some articles about it, got in our car, drove up to upstate Connecticut and hiked in the woods and found it, you know. Then later on, I lived in Salem, Massachusetts, and a friend of mine's father, was a ghost hunter before there was the term ghost hunter. He wrote books. His name was Bob Cahill. You see him on the, like, around this time of year, you'll see him on, like, specials. Um, And he, you know, I I had gone to some of the places that he wrote about, and I was helping him with one that he has a couple of museums in Salem. Um, And I would, you know, be like, well, you know, I went to Dudley Town, and, you know, I just had a nice day in the woods. And, you know, he just looked me in the eye and goes, I've been to places that would scare the hell out of you. And he told me some amazing stories. I had a friend who was a photographer for the Warrens. And he told me that, you know, 80% of what you hear, probably nonsense. Another 10%, kind of weird, but uh, maybe there's an explanation. And then 10% just plain spooky and what the hell did I just see? And he told me some, you know, pretty cool stories. But, you know, so I have been, I've heard the term legend tripping. I've gone to a lot of places. I've, you know, from the streets of Salem to the woods of Connecticut to, you know, wherever. Um, and I, you know, and maybe I'm lucky that I haven't encountered anything, but, you know, I'm out there, you know, checking it out, um, you know, but then I've got, you know, one of my best friends here, Hunter, who's got some amazing stories, and, you know, I have no reason not to believe him, so let me turn it over to him. <laughs> um, like Jack, I mean, I, I've i been interested in everything. I mean, if you look, the last year I published a, a book on uh, ghosts, one on demons, and one on um, swamp monsters or skunk tapes. So I love everything, but i got to say I've really been fixated on the phenomenon of, of ghosts um, to the point where I have several more books coming out that are just about ghosts in the next year um, because of an experience that I did have and we continue to have in our home 
um, early in the 90s, uh, my wife was really sick, and she was home on life support. And I'm in my kitchen one night, and I'm, you know, doing the dishes, and there's a hallway that leads to our bedroom. And I look, and there's a boy standing in my hallway. Now, I live in a two-family house on the upper floor. I didn't hear him come in. The door's right there. And I, I kind of look at him like, what the? What is there a boy doing in my house? I go to look at him, and he turns and just runs into the bedroom where my wife is. Um, but he didn't make a sound when he ran. This is an old house. It's loud. Um, I go rushing in there because I'm thinking, oh, my God, she's on life support equipment. He's going to run into this stuff. I get to the room. There's nobody there. There was never any boy there, and he looks as real as any, you know, living boy that you could find on the street. So I just said, you know what, I'm under a lot of stress. I know that my blood pressure is off the charts. I'm probably hallucinating at this point because, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to tell my wife because she's got a lot going on and she's really ill. I can't tell anybody who knows me because they'll think that I'm not fit to take care of her. So I just zip my lip. Over the next year, I saw him about another half dozen times. And all the time, it was in the same place, going into the room, disappearing. And I just said, you know what? I don't know what this is. I don't have a – I'm not scared. There's not a a bad feeling with it, so I don't know how to classify this. Well, my wife gets better, and we're sitting around one day and we're talking. And she's in bed, and she says, you know, I have to tell you that – I did have a sense of comfort when you were gone, when you would have to go to work or if you were out. I was like, oh, what was that? She says, well, this boy used to come in and sit with me. And I just kind of looked at her and I said, like a, a, somebody from the neighborhood? She says, no, she goes, just this boy. And I said, well, what did he look like? And she described to a T the kid that I'd been seeing for that whole year. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, that boy disappeared when she got better. Now, I'd say about six years ago, my wife went through um, a cancer scare. So she was home getting treatments, and she said that she saw him again, though not as full as she saw him previously. So it didn't, she said, I could definitely tell he was a ghost. And there were a couple of times I thought I saw things out of the corner of my eye. But again, there's not this feeling of fear. There's not this apprehension. There's just this feeling of, it's just something here, and it's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and you fast forward to now, my wife's going through something again, and lately both of us have been seeing a shadow in the house at night, almost every night at this point. So I don't know what to call this experience. I don't know what it is. This, it could be a manifestation of our own fear. Um, it could be a ghost. I have no idea. I just know that it's something that we've been experiencing now for close to 18 years. And it only and comes I watch some horror movies sick. over his house occasionally, and having heard this story, I uh, sit there, you know, looking both ways every five minutes waiting to see some kid <laughs> pop up and see, but so far nothing. It's, it's, it can be unnerving. I could definitely appreciate that. But like I said, there's no fear involved in it because, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had another experience where, Something touched me, and I was scared to death. This, uh, you just see him, and you go, "Oh, okay, he's here," <laughs> and you just go about your day. You just you're watching TV, you're, you know, doing some housework. 
I know he's here, and I know he comes here when my wife seems to need somebody or something mm. to help get her through a tough time. Is that a guardian yes. angel? I don't know. I'm, I'm not the big angel person. Well, yes, Kim- <clears throat> Go ahead. Kimberly, do you have an opinion on this? I mean, this uh, this sounds like right up your avenue. Oh, and um, TG. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Charlene, yeah, I know. but I heard you clearing your throat. So. You, gotta, you have to throw TG under the bus, too. But, um, <laughs> no, I was going to ask you, have you guys attempted any kind of communication or, or gotten any um, apps, you know, that you can download and try any kind of communication? Or, no, you just allow him to be. Yeah, I, I talked about that because I have, a, I have some equipment here that I could use. And my wife said, look, she says, if he wants to make himself known, he's making himself known the way he's comfortable. I don't want you intruding on him. Just let it be as it is. Because mm-hmm. God forbid if I recorded something that sounded very negative, then, you know, it's it's one thing to go investigate someplace and you record right. something that sounds kind of creepy. It's another way you have to live there. Yeah. <laughs> so very it's better to no. keep it as it is. I really liked what you said because actually last week we had a situation where a guest of ours had been investigating in their home and they actually couldn't be on the show because they had stirred up so much activity in their home they had to deal with that and they couldn't be on our show. So although I am the first cardinal rule breaker of this rule, if anybody knows me, because I have tons of EDPs from my own home. So, But everybody other than me should never investigate in their home. <laughs> Yeah, now, if we look at this, it's it's not a negative thing, so we want to keep it that way. We don't want to do anything mm-hmm. that might tip it to another direction. That's that's very smart. I agree with that. It's common now, sense. Now, if we move, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, by <laughs> all means. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, we haven't really talked too much about your book, I don't think, but I don't know what you guys talked about because Skype or Bog Radio Um booted me off the air, so I spoke too soon and said it was too smooth. Um, they ditched me off the air, but have we talked much about his books, you guys? We haven't know. gotten to the books yet. We were waiting to see if the show would crash. I didn't announce it on the air, but there was like this major meltdown going on behind the scenes, and we lost Kimberly, but you're back. So so now <laughs> would be a great time to talk about Hunter's books and the other projects you guys got going on. Hey, Jack, right. you want to talk about um, my book? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's like, I'm, I'm I've read his books. They're pretty good. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, my first book uh, came out actually th- around this time last year with Sam Hain Publishing. They started a new horror line, uh, and it's uh, called Forest of Shadows, and it's about, and it takes place about uh, 14 years ago, and it's about uh, a guy who has a fight with his wife, he goes to sleep on the couch. When he wakes up the next day, he goes to apologize to her, and she's passed away in her sleep. Hmm. And at that very same time, her mother is leaving a message on the answer machine that the, that he and his wife just won a $20 million lottery. So this is a guy who has all the money that he could possibly need, and he can't move on with his life, and he becomes obsessed with the paranormal. And... Uh, he becomes a very, very amateur paranormal investigator to the point where he takes his daughter, who uh, five years later is six years old, along with um, a sister-in-law who's kind of taken care of him and moves him up to a haunted cabin up in Alaska. Um, and then things go horribly, horribly wrong because he really has no idea what he's getting into. Um, 
the sequel to that book will actually be out this coming April. Uh, I pick up 13 years where that left off, and this is more in line with um, the way people currently do um, paranormal investigations with my own twist. I can't help but put my own opinions into the things that I write, so uh, there are some things that I see prevalent on these TV shows or in groups that I keep in touch with where I'm kind of skeptical on, so I put a lot of that skepticism in the main character, and hopefully this is the start of a, a whole paranormal series. i got to jump in here. I got this sneak preview, Sinister Entity, uh, which hasn't come out yet, and I told Hunter... Uh, that I think it's the best thing he's written so far. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm already intrigued. Like, I'm like, oh, heck yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the book that I currently have out now is Swamp Monster Massacre. This is, somebody asked me to describe it. I said, this is like a mashup between a Quentin Tarantino movie and In Search Of. (laughs) So, this is, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to do a book that deals with some gangsters. So, this is, uh, a low-level gangster named Rooster Murphy who's on the run from the Cuban mob, and he hijacks an airboat in the Everglades full of tourists, takes off into the middle of the Everglades. Uh, they end up running over what looks like a monkey in the water. They crash the boat. It turns out to be a baby skunk ape, which is the Everglades version of Bigfoot. And Aww. it's basically a survival story of you've got these nine people, and they have to get to this cabin that they know, his father's safe house in the middle of the Everglades, and there's a whole family of very angry skunk apes out to get them. So it's a matter of who's going to win as they make this trek through the swamps. It's a fun story to write. <laughs> well, since you brought it up, what is your opinion of um, Bigfoot? You know, the more that I hear about Bigfoot, the more that I learn, I mean, every society has a, a story of a wild man on every continent but uh, Antarctica. And these stories go back hundreds if not thousands of years. So I, to me, there has to be some validity to it. I don't know what it is. Um, but when you think that gorillas were mythological creatures just in the late uh, 19th century, I mean, it's possible they're just a, a new species of animal. I'm not sure. At the same time, you never get that skeleton. You'd think that some of these Bigfoots would die and somebody would find some bones. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't get that whole thing. That's really that's really true. I, I'm not quite sure. I haven't figured that one out yet either. So. We did a show about Bigfoot, which Hunter later said helped inspire him write Swamp Monster. Um, and the two of us said we were <laughs> – our introduction to Bigfoot was the $6 million man. <laughs> yeah, that was Andre the Giant I mean, dressed up like Bigfoot, and he turned out to be a robot from that built by aliens. So that's my I'm I'm sticking with that. <laughs> hey, I would love to go on a Bigfoot hunt because I know that there were groups in Texas and Washington and other places that go on these weekend hunts, and that's one thing I definitely have on my bucket list. Yeah, Just Kara and I were supposed to go on one a couple months ago, right? Kara in Kentucky with a Jody Cook and a bunch of people from. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, but Kara ditched me. Oh yeah, and it was your daughter's <laughs> birthday. No, I know. Can you imagine like Kara and I chasing around the woods with all these guys? Like that would be interesting. Can you imagine if you actually oh. find Bigfoot? <laughs> um, um, Kara's 
them. I think I can throw her in front of me and run. <laughs> oh, gosh. We always wonder if he takes offense to being called Bigfoot. Maybe he's sensitive, like, you know, somebody who has a big nose doesn't want to call attention to it. <laughs> yeah, that might be part of the whole the whole issue there. Well, um, and Jack, you have a bunch. I think Sarah mentioned you have a bunch of blogs, and so you write about other things other than uh, Yeah, you know, the main thing I do is, is – is Monster Men. So, you know, people want to see Monster Men. We've got a Facebook page, which is Facebook slash Monster Men 13. It's Monster Men 13 on YouTube. And then there's also a link on huntershay.com. My blog is Back in Jack. And since we've been doing Monster Men, I've been writing a lot more about horror and the other uh, subject matter that we talk about. But as a sort of writer and, and humorist, I guess, is a, I couldn't think of a better word. I just will write about whatever, uh, you know, pops in my head. Um, and I usually have a sort of twisted view on things anyway. Um, <laughs> I also do some social media uh, uh, and marketing work um, in my professional life. So I keep a Social Jack blog, which is kind of a, a little bit about, you know, the social media uh, and marketing world and also just a little bit about what's going on here in Fairfield County, uh, Connecticut. That's uh, a... Okay. There's links at Back and Jack to all of this. Nice. Yeah. If someone would like to see, to take a look at your guys' um, video blog, how do they find that? That's it. Well, Monsterman13 is our channel on YouTube. Oh, okay, of your own channel. Yeah, and then also if you go to Hunter's blog, huntershay.com, there's a Monsterman link up top, and it, there's they're all there. And then our Facebook page also has a tab with all of our shows on it. So Monsterman13 on uh, Facebook.com slash Monsterman13 on Facebook. Go there and like us, and uh, you can see all our shows there, plus the, the nonsense that we post. Oh, uh, I love it. Oh, wait, ahead, you the Halloween episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Are, are both of you guys married, and do you? And how does your family feel about, you know, your, your hobbies that you do here? <laughs> I'm married, and my family loves the fact that I'm, doing what I love to do, uh, especially one of my daughters loves the whole Monster Man thing. She likes to set up the, the uh, help set up our set. She takes the still pictures of us that we post while we're doing filming episodes. And so they, they've been super supportive. So they like the fact that dad is like a big kid running around with mommy. <laughs> yeah, <definitely. and> stuff. <laughs> I'm not married and my, my family thinks I'm nuts. Um <laughs> Uh, I lived in Salem, Mass. for a while, and I remember my parents coming up to visit me, and we were walking around uh, seeing all the witchy and Halloweeny stuff. And my mom just looked at me and goes, "Yeah, this makes perfect sense." Um, <laughs> so, uh, my in reality, my, my friends and family all uh, love this stuff. They just uh, they get a kick out of it. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. It was kind of like I wanted to go with a October Halloween theme, and you guys were a Perfect fit, so I hope you see an increase in um, viewers to your channel, and I really appreciate both of your time, and um, thank you so much well, for being before, with us. Well, before they go, how about they leave us with a few Halloween movies or horror movies that they recommend for us yes. to <laughs> definitely watch this season if we have the guts. I'm watching Barney's Halloween special, but if you have something better... <laughs> No, if you've got kids, there's a couple of good ones to watch. You ever see The Witches? That's a scary movie for kids, but it's still a kid. Hmm, I'll have to check that one out. 
Um, yeah, I just watched uh, Rosemary's Baby yesterday for the first time in years. Uh, Forgot how good that movie was. Yeah, that is good. Have you ever seen we... Left the Right One In or Let Me In, the American remake of it? It's a vampire movie. And uh, Chloe Moritz, who's uh, the hot young actress now, is in the Let Me In version, uh, the American version. But Let the Right One In is the Swedish version that came out a few years ago. And then people rave that it's, you know, one of the best vampire movies ever made. I recommend watching both versions and then also reading the book. And also, if wow. people want suggestions, we just did a Halloween episode. And in that episode, we talk about things to watch from It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, all the way to Hatchet and, you know, uh, every movie you can think of. So that's the the episode that's currently up. And if people have I, movies that we haven't covered or they think are fantastic, we want people to, you know, just let us know so we can talk about them on future episodes. Also, on Twitter, we've been we're, – we're, we're calling October Terror-tober, and we're watching mm-hmm. as many horror movies as we can, and we're tweeting about it and using the hashtag Terror-tober. So I'm uh, at Back and Jack, and he's at Hunter Shea one on Twitter. And if you just do hashtag Terror-tober, you can see a month's worth of I'm watching House of a Thousand Corpses, I'm watching Rosemary's Baby, and our little one-sentence reviews of these movies. And we're going from black-and-white classics like, you know, Son of Frankenstein to Cannibal Holocaust, a you know one of the most violent and controversial movies of uh, I think it was 1980. So we're yeah. really running the gamut as far as you know. I just watched uh, a, a comedy called Fido, that's a, a zombie movie. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, that's and then true. then I'll watch something where you know it was rated X in the theaters in the 1970s and has more blood and and nudity than you know was legal at the time. Wow. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I guess everyone can go and check out their, you know, all the things that you guys are doing and reviewing on Twitter and on your YouTube channel. But thank you so much for those recommendations and for being with us. And you guys thank have, you a, have a good day. Thanks. This was a blast. Appreciate it. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Sarah, can you grab, um, I'm not sure if that's our next guest on. I'm I'm going to check and see if that's fair. And while I'm busy doing that, uh, maybe you can pin one of the boys down and ask them a question. (laughs) Oh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You should ask a question. All right, you know who it's going to be. Oh, yeah, I know who it's going to be. You have to be nice to Walt but I don't have to be nice to you. So, <laughs> all right. Now, yeah. you guys have a favorite Halloween movie, and if you do, what is it? Starting with you, Chi-Chi. A favorite Halloween movie uh, to go ahead and view. Actually, you know what? I, um, being that, um, you know, we were just getting off of the, the, the topic of uh, Monster Men having uh, Hunter and Jack on, I'd have to go, like, comedy style. I'd probably go Abbott and Costello. Um, you know, going going to that style. I don't know for some some reason. I mean, I, I do a lot of the old movies. I even have um, the Little Rascals and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I probably have to go with one of the uh, the um, Abbott and Costello movies, like Meeting well, the I'm Werewolf. Or the... I need to bring my own movies because you don't have any good movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got I got plenty of movies. I'm just saying, you know, my uh, preferred ones. Yeah, that that's what it would end up being. Not necessarily. I mean, I got I got a lot of other. 
uh, gory movies and all that stuff uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, I, I would have a selection, yeah, in case people were to come over. <laughs> You're so funny. All right, Walt, how about you? Uh, well, I am a, a – I, I work so much <laughs> – I don't get to go see movies too much. Um, Violin sound. The last movie I went to see was was uh, Harry Potter or something. I don't remember which it's one it was. Um, not a movie. But, or a but I would no. like to go see. I haven't even seen any of the Paranormal Activity movies, so I want to start with the first one all the way up to I think the fourth one. So yeah, the fourth I would one. probably recommend going to see that if you haven't seen it, because even though I haven't seen it, but it's one of the show. It's in my bucket list. Just come over to my house, and then you don't need to see that um, movie. Well, not anymore, but in the old days. But anyway, that's a good recommendation. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Kara? Favorite scary movie, not Barney. Doesn't count. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I know that I have one, but I can't remember it. I, I love the Dark Shadows television series, the real one, uh, the original, and then I love X-Files. So I'm more based in um, that. But I would say this. The, um, the Shining, the original Shining is probably pretty good for me. You know what you just inspired me to do, which I have no time to do this, is get, like, all the DVDs of, like, the X-Files and start watching them. Thanks, Kara. They great. have it on Netflix, $8 a month, honey. Well, I still have to check that out. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. And, and they by also the way, have we are Dark Shadows. Really? We are not yes. sponsored by Netflix, everybody, by the way. Are, we you are. Ready to <laughs> are we just going to entertain everyone with us, like, <laughs> well, as much as everybody wants to know about our TV viewing habits, um, I will bring on our next guest. I'm going to read their bio, and then you can – well, I'll bring them on, Kimberly. Thank okay. you. Okay. We have Marty and Michael Perry from Spirit Art. You can find them at www.spiritart.com. This unique husband and wife team are amazing as they combine the mediumistic abilities of Michael with the rare abilities of psychic artistry of his wife, Marty. In the same caliber as other renowned psychics, Michael is able to make a connection with relatives and friends that have passed over to the other, the other side. Equally astounding is the artist, artistic talents of Marty, who has the uncanny ability to draw friends and loved ones that have passed away without ever seeing them personally or through pictures or even a description. When you put these two dynamic personalities together with such different talents, it's no wonder they are gathering larger following every day. So they do tours and lectures and workshops, but I do encourage everybody, open up another window, go to spiritart.com and look at some of their art during this interview. You won't want to miss it. And without further ado, here is Michael and Marty Perry from Spirit Art. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for being on. Welcome to the program. Oh, well, thanks for having us on. Okay, so um, most of us have seen, I I guess, like a sketch-type artist on some of these shows. What is that one show, Kara, where that girl goes in as a medium and then she has a sketch artist draw? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I think that's like psychic senses or something. I I don't know. You caught me off guard. <laughs> I know. I can't think of it. I know Walt watches it too. But anyway, I know everyone's, you know, seeing people that can kind of draw or in people that are mediums. But 
But to combine that, you know, kind of in a team, I think is an amazing and uh, unique idea. So how did you come up with that idea to kind of combine both of your talents into a business? Okay, it's not really an idea. It's just sort of uh, our our life. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. It's just our, our life path. Um, first of all, I want to make sure people really understand what I do. It's not that Michael describes somebody and I draw them. Not at all. I'm a medium in my own right. In fact, I usually put on headphones so I don't hear anything that he says or anything that the client says. And I see people on the other side and I get help sometimes from other artists on the other side, and that's when I draw a portrait. Oh, wow, so you both have medium abilities we're, then? We're both mediums. We just happen to be married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was by coincidence, but... <laughs> Marty, Marty gets some things audibly sometimes, but she usually gives me the picture uh, to find out who they are. And then I just talk to them and I say, okay, can you give me a name or other details about yourself? Usually I want their name, how they died, that kind of thing. Uh, that is if they don't recognize them right away. I, I love the ones that go, oh, that's my dad. <laughs> but that doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, the, right. a, lo a lot of them that uh, Marty draws are uh, other people in the room when we're doing what we're doing, whether it's a group or privately. So... Um, sometimes I I did or did not see this person or didn't speak to them, but I may have seen them, so I just asked them, you know, tell me about yourself because you didn't talk to me, so tell me who you are and who you belong to. I've got very good at doing that in a group of placing them. I can pretty much point it where it's supposed to belong in the audience and say this belongs to you, blah, 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 this person, blah, 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 blah. And they come up with detailed things, like they may say, oh, they had tongue cancer, and they lost half their tongue, or whatever it is, something something specific, you know, so that the person knows uh, who they t who it is. You there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to energy whole thing. No, I was getting into the energy of what you were of what you were saying, um, and I had a question, but I. You just pulled me out of it. So someone else is going to have to. How, how do you, oh, can how you, you guys? Hold on, hold on, I'll tell you what your question was. Hold on. <laughs> oh, guys, I love that. <laughs> you guys are both mediums. How did you discover that you were both mediums? Like, did you, did you, like, were you out somewhere and you're like, hey, I'm a medium and you're a medium, or how, how did that work? Like, well, well, it was, kind of a, it was kind of a long process. I've always. Uh, been able to hear people speak to me, but I never mm -hmm. did it publicly. I, I've, I've done healing since I was about 20 years old, which is when I first started doing healing. I learned it through a, a yoga instructor, mm -hmm. wrote a book, and I learned to do the healing technique, and I used to do it at his uh, ashram. And uh, while I'd be working on people, I was aware of spirit doctors and, and people like that around working on the person through me. So uh, then, then they would tell me what was really going on with them. But I, I never knew their names at the time. I, I, I was sort of vaguely aware of them, but I didn't know their names or things like that. 
Um, so later on, when when uh, Marty and I met, uh, true to a prediction by a medium years and years ago, who told me that I would be doing this, mm. um, uh, we went to a hypnotherapist, and that's kind of how it began, because I I couldn't go into past life stuff. I kept hearing deceased people speak to me, and sure enough, they were, only really, really clearly. And, and then after that, um, Marty would, um, it was a long process where one day I, I basically wanted her to be involved in what I was doing. So I said, why don't you like sit down today and draw someone that just appears to you and we'll figure it out. I had been searching, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? Because Michael obviously had, you know, had found what he needs to do. But even though I was a little bit psychic and I could get a few things, I was nowhere near, you know, what Michael could do. So uh, they're audiently we're talking about. Yeah, they're audiently. I, I I was not able to to hear as much as he does. So when he told me to uh, draw somebody that day, I sat down and uh, drew a picture, not knowing who I was drawing. I just, and the first one took me a long time. I was sitting there drawing and erasing, drawing and erasing. And I finally came up with this older man. When Michael came home, he didn't recognize it either, so I just laid it on the table. And uh, that night we had a small meditation group. Uh, this one young girl when she came in, picked up the the drawing and said, oh, my God, that's my boss that was murdered a year ago to the day. She brought over the picture the next day, and it was uh, was like I drew it from the picture. Wow. Then it was a long long process of trying to get Marty to actually sit in with me in private sessions with people, with clients. And finally, she did that, and, and that's how we began. Really, that's how. And then, and then, of course, uh, we were just doing it part time at the time. And the spirit people said to me, "Quit your job and do this." And I just laughed. I said, you, "You've got to be kidding me!" I said, "You know, I wouldn't even know how to do this. I, w- I don't know how to. Yeah, how do you do that?" I said, "I don't know. I, I you know." So I, <laughs> I quit my job, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I ran and got a, a little part-time job just to be safe, and that lasted about a week because the guy was a complete asshole. So <laughs> that that completely did me, and I said, "All right, all right, I give up. I'll just I'll just do this." So that was it. So we 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 and it and it just began to work, and we we looked into how to to you know how do we meet people? Where do we go? Where you know I, I have no idea how to do this. You know the the um, nuts and bolts of actually how do you connect with people? How do you get people to come to you and see what you do? Where do you where do you guys live? Where are you where are you from? We we're both in LA. We're stuck in LA at the moment. Stuck. Well, I arrived here and we just never went anywhere else, basically. So. Well. There's no place else that has the, the climate. <laughs> it's the climate. The climate's good for me, I, I must say. I had asthma and things like that in London. It was terrible pollution there. So oh, yeah. This is 
This is actually better for me. London, you now, said from Texas. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> London, Texas. Right. <laughs> well, Marty and Michael, do you do, I think I read on your website, I may be wrong, but do you do over-the-phone readings or do you just do yeah. in person? No, do no, we, we do We do a lot of our sessions over the phone. But oh, we now do a lot that, of, oh, go on. No, go ahead. Actually, more than no, half just, our sessions are over the phone. Yeah, there are people with, that we've actually never never met. We've done many sessions with them over the phone, but we've never actually physically met them. It works. Now, how does Marty, or how does she, how do you draw Marty those sketches or get them to them? Do you send them, or do you take pictures? I, of what them I usually phone, do during uh, a phone session is towards the end when I'm I'm finished with my drawing. Michael Michael usually goes on longer than I do. And uh, I'll go to my computer and scan them and email them so they can see it uh, right away. Then I send everything to them because we also record it. And so I send them uh, the uh, tape of the recording. Oh, that's nice. I like that. It sounds very important to uh, tape it. I don't understand these mediums that, like, don't allow you to record it. Uh, It's. There's not everything are they going to understand at the time. Sometimes it's uh, something for someone else. Uh, Also, you know, uh, if you have some skeptical relatives, if you, you know, they're not going to believe anything you say, but they can't dispute it when they hear it uh, on the tape, you know, and notice that they're not saying anything to lead us there. So I, I... I think it's very important to have a recording of it. Also, people actually get EVPs very often on the tapes. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, we got a we got a uh, one not long ago from someone that can hear their, I think it's their niece's voice saying her name to me as I say it. Yeah, right before Michael says it, uh, you know, her name is. You can hear on the tape in her own voice. Saying her name. That's really cool. After, wow. Yeah. We didn't get to hear hear it, but uh, he says he has it. <laughs> he says it's really clear and and uh, that it matches the the voice in life. So it's it's their voice apparently. But we, we're used to that. We have a lot of people that tell us that they can hear other voices on the tapes and things. So I'm not surprised really. Mm. Was there a message that that when you got the EVP? Was there a message that they were trying to tell the other people? No, it like, was. I, I could, no, I was asking. In that particular instance, I was asking the lady for her name. I said, "What's your name, darling?" And then I say, "Oh, this is her name." And as I'm asking her, she's telling me. So basically, mm-hmm. it's simply the fact that it picked up her voice talking to me. Right. Did both? Did she? Have, what was the connection with your client? And and what was, oh, the message? I, I, was there a message or? I don't remember any of that. I that's all they told us. But I do. Oh. I mean, the things are not the the messages are not like little glib things. They're very detailed. Mess. Uh, you know, I hate the word messages. Actually, it's just a, you're having a chat with someone that you know, and sometimes someone you don't know. Someone that that you know of, but mm-hmm. mostly it's, 
it's a, it's a conversation or a uh, with someone that is known to you. And um, I'll give an example. Uh, well, just I, this lady won't mind me saying because you've no idea who she is. Uh, <laughs> a few days ago, someone asked us for a, a session because uh, a man because his wife was having a baby, and she was very anxious because. Uh, she was having uh, an operation, he said. I said, oh, okay. So we did a session a couple of days later, and the baby was supposed to be... She's going into hospital in two days' time. And that's all I knew. I didn't know what the sex of the baby was or anything. That's all they said. There's a, She's going into hospital, and she needs surgery, and she's very got anxiety about it. Could we do a session? So we did a session, and her father showed up, and he had a little boy with him. And uh, the little boy said, that's my mummy. I said, oh, well, you're going to have a son, I said, and he's standing right in front of me. This was over the phone. This, this is an example of how a session will go. So he was fully aware of what was going on. He knew she had a daughter and a son um, uh, already. He called them his brother and sister. And I remember one specific thing he brought up was he said that... <clears throat> There's like a cuddly toy that they have, and he says, I'm going to play with that when I come in, Mummy, he said. Wow. She said that that they had given the kids two little Disney cuddly toys in the last few days to kind of comfort them, and the little girl had said to her, when such and such comes in, when my brother comes in, um, we're going to get him one, and he can play with his. He can play with one, too. And then the little boy told me the name of the toy. He said it's called Duffy, and that's the name of the toy. Now, that's pretty detailed stuff yeah. to me. And and that's, that's you know, and, and like he said, the father and a bunch of other people were present, and they were telling her that everything would be fine. And the little boy said things like, you know, I can't wait for mommy to hold me and I want to hold mommy and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But they throw in all this uh, facts and details too. And, um, you know, uh, I almost got his name. It was an L name and this, that, and the other. And I knew they were Catholics because of the other things they were telling me, the spirit people. So they just... They just talk about what's going on and what's going to happen and, you know, that kind of stuff. Whatever is relevant and whatever it is they're going to speak about. That's why we can never say what it's going to be. We just heard uh, back from uh, uh, a couple of guys that had a session with us that uh, they, yeah, we were sitting when they with left, them. Yeah. Almost, you know, because they, they'd seen us in a group before, so they knew that we were fantastic, you know, and, you know, <laughs> Michael, Michael brought in his... Uh, grandfather and they had no doubt so when they came to the, the group or to, to the private session they actually left, they left a little bit disappointed because they didn't understand a lot of it and he said we just uh, met up with him again and he said within weeks everything that uh, Michael had said everything that I had drawn fell into place it was all you know stuff in the near future so, Marty and Michael, are you saying that um, the spirit people or whoever appears often um, does speak about the future? 
to you? And yeah, oh, yeah, very out? often. Yeah, very often. Um, when they do, though, sometimes... A lot of background noise there, guys. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of cr- cracks and wax going on. Um, the uh, There's a lot of uh, things that they say to people, but obviously they're not going to understand it because it hasn't happened yet. Well, I'll give an example. Marty drew a little tree uh, in one of her pictures, a little trunk of a tree and on it she put Ed like someone had carved Ed into the tree well we got a letter back from the lady she didn't understand it for months and then she started dating a guy called Ed and he likened relationship to trees he compared Uh compared relationship you you get it so (laughs) (laughs) Um, she didn't understand it because she hadn't met Ed yet and she didn't know what the tree meant that's another thing that I do in a private session as I usually do a page of what I call my doodles. They're all just little uh little pictures that are very uh specific and are are meaningful to the person that we're sitting with. You know, for instance one time I drew a uh baseball that uh, I actually wrote on it Mickey Mantle right near the um stitching. Where the stitching comes together. Well, the guy had a um, Mickey Mantle signed baseball that his aunt uh, had gotten for him years ago, and uh, he had actually even forgotten about that aunt <laughs> until until that came up. Who was deceased? The aunt was deceased. Right. So I guess she was having the baseball drawn to let him realize that she was saying hello to him. Okay. So do you guys ever go and do a reading either in a group or privately where um, nobody shows up? No, no, that doesn't happen. They don't waste their time. That's not okay. No. Uh, it, it, it may happen that um, a person may show up that the person doesn't expect. Or the person uh, that they expect doesn't show up. What? Mm-hmm. Or the person that they are expecting doesn't show up. Well, that's what I just said. No, you said somebody. All right, whatever. One or the other. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, you, you can't predict what's, as a medium, you can't predict what's going to happen. This right. isn't, it's not a psychic thing. I'm not sitting there with a, a deck of cards. I long ago gave up using tarot cards and things like that. I don't need it. So I don't, I don't bother with that anymore. So... If someone is seriously coming to see us and sit sit with us or in a group, something's going to happen. Someone is going to come in and speak to them. And um, you don't know who it's going to be. I, just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a fella in spirit who showed up and he said, uh, he told me I got blown up and I was in a war. And he said, mm-hmm. I belong to a person in the back row. Over there, he said. So I went over to this lady... I said, he wants me to talk over here, blah, 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 blah. And uh, she spoke up after a bit, and she said, uh, could he be from the Civil War? So I said, are you? And he said, yeah. And then he told me he was a Union soldier, which he was. He was a sergeant, which he was. He played the bugle, which he did. Mm-hmm. And then he, I said, well, where did you get killed? And uh, I'd already known about his leg because he, he he made me feel his messed up leg where it was all really messed up. 
but that was prior to the explosion, he told me. And that was true, so she understood that as well. And uh, he could have been blown up anywhere, you know. I, I said, where were you blown up? You know, he could have been in a fort, he could have been on a horse, uh, anywhere, he could have been on a ship. Uh, so I said, where were you? And he said, I was running across a battlefield in one of the big, last big battles of the war, he said, and I got blown up. And the lady understood all of it. This, she had on her ring, uh, on her finger, a ring with a diamond in it that belonged to her great-great-grandfather. And this was his brother that was speaking to her. Mm. It, the diamond was from her great-great-grandfather's tie pin. Interesting. The energy connections, and you know, it's it's more than energy. I mean, they're people. He told me that he had lived another life between, and the time that he had been in the Civil War. Now he was uh, back in the spirit world. And actually, one of the ladies in the audience—that was a question she had in her mind. She told me afterwards, did he had he lived again since? And he answered that for her as well. This stranger. So, you never know what a spirit can tell you. They can tell you an awful lot of things. They can tell you a lot of things in the future, and they can tell you a lot of things way, way back. They've told me things for people that go back 400 years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, Yeah, I drew one once that was a great, 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 great grandmother to this person and they actually had a photo to prove it that's you know yeah that was really, really cool. cool it was like what how old was the uh, photo uh it's like uh 1850 uh, or something 50 or somewhere around somewhere around there 1860 somewhere around there hmm. uh, marty uh, marty when the um when the person or the spirit um that you're going to be drawing uh, comes to you um, do they come to you like at the time that they looked at the time that they passed away, or could they be maybe younger or older? Uh, it it all depends on you know it's an individual thing. Most often they'll come through uh, as wh- how they died, um, but I've had ones come through much younger. Uh, a lot of times they'll pose just like a photograph that I've uh, that I ha- they have. Um, it it's it's it, it just depends. Yeah, it really depends. What, things, why they're doing it? Yeah. Things like uh, people uh, have come to us that have lost a child before they were born, either by abortion or miscarriage. You know, without knowing that they lost a child or anything, uh, I've drawn uh, like a little boy of eight years old, and uh, they don't know what that is. And you know, I said he's eight years old, and Michael says, Did, "What happened?" Did you lose a child eight years old, eight years ago? And yep, that's them. And then they'll see, oh, that rec- that looks like their father or something. Yeah. So they very often uh, spirit children come to us, and they come to us at the age they are now, and will tell me the age they died, but they look the age that they would be if they had grown up here. I had a very strange one recently because I do draw. I, I have to say I do draw some people that are still alive, but there's always some reason why I uh, they send me that image. Uh, I drew one 
for this lady about 10 years ago. She had no idea who this old woman that she that I'd drawn for her. But uh, her father had come through very clear in the um, reading, so, you know, she knew all of that. Uh, Ten years later, she calls me and says, now that her mother's getting very old and getting close to dying, she's looking more more like that picture. The picture's a little bit older than her still, so she, she's probably going to live to that age. But uh, that was her father saying, this is how you're going to be when I see you next. So that was almost like an image being projected of the future of that. Yeah, it sure was. That was an unusual one, but that was that. Well, that's 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 partly, it's happened before. So Marty's Marty had a picture drawn. Uh, she drew a man for a person in a, a group, and uh, I'd been talking to this lady, and I think there were a couple of other people with her, and. Uh, I took the picture from Marty and I showed it to them and she said, well, it looks like my husband. But he's alive. But he's alive. But the nose is wrong, but everything else is him. And I said, huh, that's weird. Well, I guess it must be him then, so I give it to her. A month later, her husband died in Iraq in a helicopter. And they, when she looked in the coffin, they had reconstructed his nose and it looked like the picture. Wow. No doubt, being um, seeing that image uh, for them, it kind of uh, confirms. Well, you know, that you know, there is fate, and you know, if someone's going to die, they're going to die, and I don't think that anything you do is going to alter it really. Um, there are times when things can be changed when someone is, but then I think they're just not meant to die. You see what I'm getting at? But I, 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 yeah. I I'm not a fatalist because I think you can. You can do things to change things, but it, it takes tremendous energy. So on the whole, I think that what's going to be is going to be. And I don't think it would have uh, maybe done any good to say what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Things are going to be what they're going to be, I think. Yeah, it's a little um, bit of that destiny-free will balance, which is sometimes hard to completely figure yeah, out. Yeah, do have a uh, there have been ahead, times sorry. where um, Michael has said something to somebody and this person is going to commit suicide and they've talked to that person that, and, yes, they were going to commit suicide, but they talked them out of it. So Yeah, there it, has been it, times when we've saved people's lives. So. And interfere, but uh, most of like he says, I, th- I think there are times in your life that, you know, little points in your life, this is a possible exit, this is a possible exit. And it depends on which, you know, road you choose, you know, how much more your, you know, your oversoul decides if if you're going to still progress if if you keep living or not, if that makes sense. No, it, it totally does. So we have a caller. I'm going to see if they have a question or comment for you from area code 819. Hello. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question? Hello. 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 Oh, is it? Hello? <laughs> Hello. Do you have a question for Marty or Michael? Hello? Maybe not. No one there, I guess. 
Okay, TG or Walt, do you have a question? Okay. Yeah. yeah have, have you ever gotten um, any information that you didn't want to tell your client? No, honey. No, no. Well, uh, just... he did, and he, he made the mistake of not saying it, and... Uh... I, I corrected it afterwards, but it was it was a it was not a it was in a group, and the lady's husband was talking to me, and he told me he killed himself. And I was talking to her, and she was sitting in the group, and I said, uh, "Do you want to ask him anything?" And she said, "Yeah, why did he do it?" So I said, "Can you tell me why you did it?" And he said, "Yeah, I was having an affair with her best friend." <laughs> oh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I, I kind of danced around it for a bit and didn't say it. Uh, and then I said a lot of other things from him, but I, I just couldn't bring myself to say that to her. So then at the end of the group, she came up to me and people were leaving. And I said, I need to ask you something. I said, did you know why when you asked? And she said, yes. I said, so if I said to you that he had an affair with your best friend, would that have been all? You, is that's correct, isn't it? And she said yes. So I said, so if I, if I'd said that in the group, would it have been all right for me to say that? And she said yes. So after that, I never edit anything anymore. And that was years okay. ago. They won't well, tell us anything they, that would be detrimental for the person. Uh, if they tell me, I'm supposed to tell you, and that's it. Yeah, we we and trust what, sides completely. Pardon? What happened during the times that um? Say, for example, um, the message is to let the person know that they're going to be passing away. How hard is that to tell somebody? Oh, when, that's, you know, yeah, that's very hard. Um, you know, it, it, it is difficult. I mean, I, I remember telling someone about uh, a man. I can't remember who it was to them, but there was three ladies with us, I think, privately. And um, they said, you know, he's going to be gone in a couple of days. Uh, he's He has, you know, cancer throughout, this, that, the other, whatever it was. But you don't, you know, even up to the end, you see, some people think that this person's going to pull through. So sometimes they're in denial, and what you're saying to them is, even though it's the truth, they may, in a way, even maybe want to blame you. Yeah, the medium. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow me, even though, even though, I mean, obviously, the spirit people are aware of what's going on and they're telling them, but it is very difficult to say to someone, you know. So what I what usually happens is if they mention someone alive that's an older person that I think first has died, I may say this person's deceased, and they say no, they're alive, and then usually. Um, what I'll say to the spirit people is, is this person ill? Yes, they'll say. Oh, this person's very sick, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, they are. And I'll say, okay, are you expecting them to go shortly? Yes, yes. And they start crying or whatever. So then I know that the spirit people are, are, they already know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It's not not easy to, to talk about that with people. Um... You really have to be. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a trained psychologist or anything like that. But you really have to have your wits about you when you're dealing with people because um, you have to. The, well, the the spirit people 
generally make me say it exactly the way I'm supposed to say it. And that's it. So I just say it the way they say it. And uh, hopefully I get it exactly right. That's it, you know. That's all you can do. You can only hope that you've got a cross. And that you hear it exactly right. That you've heard it exactly right. Exactly. I'll give you an example how you can be a little off. Like, uh, make a mistake. (laughs) Um, I had a woman once sitting with me. I I spent about an hour with her. Her husband was deceased. He was talking to me. Uh, He was very... I mean, he told me he was from Iran. He told me this. He told me he was a businessman. He told me all these details. So she knew it was him. Uh, Then he said something near the end where he said, she sees someone that looks like me. And I thought he meant, you pull up at a stop sign, you look over, and in the car next to you is someone that looks like your husband. Right? Who hasn't done that? Who Who's not, you know... Uh, people do it all the time. They go, God, that looks just like such and such, you know. That's yeah, what I thought he cool. meant. I thought he meant she's seeing people that look like him. as like, And she's taking it like a sign, like that's my husband saying hi or whatever. You understand? Mm-hmm. Well, she starts crying and she says to me, is there any message from my husband? And she gets very emotional. And I thought, what on earth? I just spent nearly an hour talking to him from you, and this is bizarre, I thought. So I said to him, did I miss something? And he said, yeah, she's dating someone that looks, not seeing someone, she's going out with someone that looks like me. Oh, I said, you went and found a lookalike. You went and found someone that looks just like him, didn't you? And and she's going, yes, yes. I said, oh, for God's sake. I said, you made a mistake. He's nothing like him, is he? And she said, no, no. And I said, oh, for God's sake. I've been talking to him for an hour, and you went off and found someone that looks just like him. I said, oh, it's not him. And anyway, that did the trick, apparently. I got a call from her daughter or something, or a stepdaughter, and she said, oh, my mother stopped drinking. She's gone to a therapist. She's to, you changed her life. I said, oh, cool, good. But you've, you see what I'm getting at? You've only got to mistake something they say, and you can be off on a whole different tangent. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it happens. You know, people talk to each other all the time, and one thinks they're talking about this, and the other thinks, you know, they're on two different pages. And it's also about hearing it exactly right. Sometimes it's almost like, have you ever tried, uh, you know, listening to a voice message and listening to it over and over and over again? It's like, can't get that number. What do you say, a three or a five, you know? They say it too quick. Or they, you know, it's like, hold on a second, rewind. What was that again? Rewind. What was that? <laughs> so yeah, our spirit guys have to rewind a bit. <laughs> well, some of the spirit people, they get excited. And they they think rapidly. And there are times when I just can't keep up with them. I say, you lost me. I'll say, I have no idea what you're talking about. You've got to go back to what you said a minute ago. I've lost you. And then they'll repeat it to me and say other things. And I go, okay, I've got it. So that's what you're talking about? Yeah, boom, okay, right. But people don't realize a lot is, uh, you know, just because you've crossed over to the other side, you're still who you are you still have a personality it's still you know 
you have you haven't become automatically enlightened. Sure, you might know a few few more things and everything, and you've got access to more knowledge, but you you don't change overnight. Yeah, so for and, instance, and funny, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to mention. So that means if a person say is funny uh, in you know in life, and then as they pass on, they'll probably you know be either telling jokes or maybe playing pranks on people. Even, oh yeah! Uh, as absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. We we have friends that uh, have people over there that are just like that. And when they show up, they mess around, they ham ham around. They we have a, a lady with her daughter, and her husband's gone. And he's a bit he's a real jokester, and he gets me every time. And when he comes through and he speaks, his real name is Alan, but he always calls himself Anthony or Tony like a mobster or something and he gets he gets me every time I'm I'm looking at the audience they're sitting there and they're they're smiling at me like, oh god it's your husband again isn't it and he gets me every time with it <laughs> but he and then he, he was doing this thing almost like a Marx Brothers eyebrows with me and goofing around I said oh what the hell I'm doing here blah 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 and then he was doing a bodybuilding thing with me like Mr. Muscleman. Oh. And Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, uh, you know, remember that Mr. Muscles where he could jiggle his chest and he used to be on TV oh. in America years ago. He could... Yeah, yeah, move your muscles around. He was doing that and I said, I don't know what the hell your dad's doing, I said to the daughter. And uh, then he said something about a boyfriend. Well, she's dating the guy at the gym who's the... the Instructor. <laughs> and he was doing the keys from the other side. He was doing the Marx Brothers, you know, raising his eyebrows and wiggling them around and doing this, having a laugh with her. You see? Oh, that's yeah. cute. That's sweet. Yeah, he's very, he's very funny, and he and he makes them laugh, and and that's how he is. And I, but as a medium, you feel really stupid doing this stuff. That's what you're in front you have of a big crowd. You're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. As long as you understand this, and they're laughing and they're saying, "Oh yeah, we know what he's talking about." <laughs> they like to make people laugh. In fact, most of the time, you know, when when uh, we're with a client or even a group session, if it's really, you know, sad and the person's crying a lot, you know, the people on the other side are going to try and you know, cheer them up and say a joke or something like yeah. that. It, it goes from tears to belly laughs and back, you know. Yeah, well, there's an example. If you want to go to our website, I is I think there's a clip of uh, one of our sessions with Erin Gray, the actress. And it's yeah. very emotional. Her mother's speaking to her and she's crying. And suddenly her mother says to me, Tell her I wear my hair up. So I, I said, oh, your mother says she wears her hair up. All the time. All the time, I said. She wears her hair up all the time. And she starts laughing from bawling her eyes out to laughing hysterically. She says, yeah, she does, straight up. She had a herself <laughs> long before it was popular. Like a kind of a punk, like way years and years ago. Okay. And the hair was oh, straight up. <laughs> And That's she's funny. laughing her head off. So they'll they'll they don't want you to be sad, you see. They want they so if something upsets you they'll they'll say something usually to make you laugh. Yeah. 
kind of cheer the person up. Um, yeah, of course, of course. They don't want to see you cry. No. You know, they... Well, Marty, um, what kind of TV shows have you been on? I saw on your website there's a lot of media. Um, you know, yeah, we were. The first TV show done. we were on was uh, one called um, Proof Positive, which I thought was a great show, and it only lasted uh, one season. They would take... Uh, Three different uh, types of either a psychic, a medium, or you know, ghost hunter or whatever, and uh, get proof out of what they're doing. And uh, of the three, they would have one that was uh, legitimate, which they'd call proof positive for that uh, that episode. Uh, we also did an, an episode of. Psychic Investigators, and that's where uh, we helped the police uh, try to solve a murder up in Napa Valley. It was a double murder. And uh, we've been on My Ghost Story. Uh, What else have we been on, Any Paranormal State. Oh, Paranormal State, yeah. And uh, What did you do on on Paranormal State? Did you come on as... um we were we were the only psychics on there basically on that episode. Chip Chip wasn't around on that one, and uh, they took us to a house that was uh, apparently haunted, and uh, that was very interesting. Actually, it went it went extremely well. Um, uh, the episode's called the ladder, and. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Buell, mm-hmm. um, he he didn't really believe that we were real. Or I don't think he really believes in a lot of psychics. I don't think he even believes in Chip. Um, huh. Yeah, we, we know Chip. But anyway, um, so Ryan was... Uh, we'd already got a lot of information while we were in our hotel room. We did a little thing in our room before we found out where we were supposed to go. They really do... Well, they did with us. They called us like an hour before to tell us where to go. So we had no way of knowing anything. But when we got there, um, some of the information, because they told me there'd be a, like a uh, a school with a big sign across the street from the house, and there would be like a park. And when we got there, right opposite the house was a park with a school a sign that said medical school or something. Right, so I knew it was going to go really well. And when we got in the house, (laughs) Ryan says to us, do you want to go down in the basement? And I wasn't particularly bothered about going down there, but we did. We walked around for a minute. We came came upstairs. And as we walked upstairs to the upstairs of the house, I remember standing on the steps and I said, something major happened right here, I said, on this staircase. And then we walked up onto the landing and there were I think like three bedrooms or something maybe four and he said where do you want to go and I said I'm going to go in that room there and he says why would you pick that room I said because that's where the spirit people told me to go so that's where I'm going and that was the room that they'd set up with all their cameras and everything so I think Ryan probably had it in his head that some cameraman had told us everything but nobody had told us anything we hadn't even talked to anyone 
In uh, fact, we uh, uh, got things, you know, when we were in the... Uh, well, that's what I said, yeah, we got, yeah. got stuff in there. So when we sat down with the lady, <laughs> they had the the uplighter, you know, like a coffee table thing in between us with lights in it, and it shut, it make, you know, like... Sp- make you look spooky. Yeah, make, you know, like a flashlight under your face kind of effect, and it was all kind of rather silly to us, but the lady was sitting there, and um, I had written down in the hotel Frank, this guy called Frank, and I said, well, there's a guy called Frank, and she went, oh my God, like that, and I said, I don't know who Frank is, but that's the person that came to me in the hotel. Well, it turned out that Frank was one of the ghosts, one of the people she'd seen. So then I said, well, who's Charlie? Well, that was what she called Frank when she was a kid, before she found out his real name. She called him Charlie. And <laughs> if I could have took a picture of Ryan's face, it was pretty funny, because he was just sitting there, like, and his, his eyes were popping out of his head, and he didn't know what to make of all this, because I think... <laughs> you know, Unfortunately, uh, a lot of that ended up on the uh, cutting room floor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just ended up on the cutting room floor a lot of it. I mean, it, it was still a good episode, but it's like all this really good stuff. I yeah, I mean, I mean they, you know, Marty was upstairs and she felt a little boy up there while we were in the little room. And uh, she felt that a man had died in there. And that was her, wasn't it her dad or something? can't remember now but and the little boy she said yeah my my uh parents lost there was a brother lost years ago so i said to the spirit people what's the name of the brother and they told me straight away that's his name and i actually wrote down i think six of seven brothers and sisters names all in a row wow that's impressive i mean there was some pretty impressive evidence i got the last almost the last name. And what they found on the staircase, which was pretty amazing, really, she had had a a crate, a small box, like a crate, materialize Mm. on the staircase with with newspapers from 1889 or something. Yeah, 1890s maybe, with lined with newspapers from that year. And oh. I had told her that the guy, that the guy, this particular guy, had fallen off the roof. Well, he had. That's how he. That's how he died. One of the brothers. And in the box, in the crate, was a little piece of paper that says, "I fall down, go boom." Oh, pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Yeah, you got to watch the episode. It's really <laughs> cool. They changed yeah, it all around. They never put any of Marty's pictures on there. We think she drew one of the brothers that died, but they never even showed Marty's pictures or anything. They had their whole storyline and their agenda for the show. Uh, they made the woman look like a fool. Which she was. Uh, which she wasn't. She, she knew all of The whole story and everything. But they made mm-hmm. it look like she didn't know anything, which was ridiculous, because otherwise why would she react the way she did? So... We weren't very pleased with what they did with it, but they included some good stuff that we we got. Which of course isn't the crew; that's the uh, you know that's, the uh, production company. That yeah, that's the production company. You know what I mean? So that's the problem when you do things with Hollywood people. Is if you do anything with them, you have to suss out: are they really going to do something real, or are they just 
you know. That's why we like the first show, Proof Positive, because they were really trying to do something So was the Psychic psychic Investigator. That was really good, too. They were for real. They were doing it for real, and and they researched everything, and they, they actually did a... It was... There was Psychic Detectives was another show on before, and they used a lot of those in their show. And they did it because there were facts and details that were not quite true and accurate in the Psychic Detectives. So they made Psychic Investigators because they wanted a more legitimate, real version of what really happened. You see what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. So we were really pleased to be part of that, actually, because... They were genuine. They wanted to do something real. Again, that only lasted a year. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> the most legitimate TV shows. Yeah, that was last. that was really good. I was very impressed with that that uh, show. It was, it was good stuff on there with good other good psychics and good mediums. Um, there's a book that I hear you're collaborating on. Would you like to talk a little bit about that before we wrap this up? Before we have to go. Well, the book's already out. Okay. Um, it's uh, a thick book. It's about 460 pages. It's called The Other Side of Autism. We collaborated with a lady who has an autistic son, and we did about 20-something sessions with her. And a lot of uh, personalities uh, from the other side came and spoke to us and said all kinds of things to do with autism, mm. genetically modified foods, all kinds of stuff. Some of the things while uh, either he he was saying or I was drawing, we really didn't know what they mean, meant or anything. And even uh, Laura, who's the writer, she didn't know at the time. She had to go after the session and investigate it and found all of these connections that everything was just perfectly right. Yeah, I'll give you a, give a couple of examples. Like um, uh, Bernard Shaw, you know George Bernard Shaw is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, I don't. I all I know about him is he's a writer. I've never read his things. I don't really know anything about him. And he showed up, and he came with Albert Einstein. So Albert, I'd been talking to a lot, and this occasion he came with Bernard Shaw. And I thought, well, I'm sure it's Bernard Shaw. And Marty just kind of didn't understand why I kept calling him Bernard Shaw and not George Bernard Shaw. I said, yeah, I know it's George Bernard Shaw, I said to her. But as he spoke, only only Bernard Shaw would come out of my mouth. I couldn't say George. And I said, they seem to be friends. I said, I guess they know each other, I said to Laura. Uh, her name's Laura Hirsch. And... Um, you know, it was to do with autism and whatnot. Anyway, after the session, Laura does her research and she finds out that he hated his name George because his father was called George and he hated his father, so he never called himself George. And wow. also, and also, he thought um, he thought vaccines were witchcraft. He called it all kinds. Of, I mean, she put quotes in there. I never knew any of that. I thought, wow, that's cool. And um, then she found a video, uh, a piece of film, of George Bernard Shaw introducing Albert Einstein. I think it's for his uh, 
um, his uh, award, his... Um, the Peace Prize? Or? The Nobel Peace Prize. There he is, standing up at a table with Albert Einstein, and there's actually a piece of film of it. And I thought, wow, how cool is that? I, I never would have believed that he knew George Bernard Well, I, I don't know who Albert knew. I don't know anything about Albert Einstein. I only know what you know you see on TV. I didn't know where Albert had died or anything like that. I didn't know how he died. He told me all that. He told me where he lived. He told me... He, he, it's all in the book. It's really fascinating. It does yeah, sound rather interesting. It sounds like yeah, a wide variety yeah. of things. Yeah, I mean... It's a great book for anybody that has an autistic child, knows somebody with an autistic child, or just wants to hear how the other side communicates. It's... Uh, it's 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 interesting. In it covers a lot of they cover a lot of things because scientists showed up and you know told us about Chernobyl, uh, told us about uh, Fukushima months before it happened, and they told us it would be it would far outstrip uh, Chernobyl. It would be way way worse, and they told us that it, uh, you know nuclear power plant would be destroyed and all this kind of stuff. And they they told us all about it. And that one of the people it turned out that was telling us was this Russian scientist. I didn't know who he was. I said his name. She looked it up. He was the guy at Chernobyl the night the accident happened. He was in charge of Chernobyl. So he was one of the... And and another scientist that came in and spoke about all the dangers of the radiation that would ensue and the dangers of nuclear weapons and stuff happened to be the guy that built the biggest nuclear bomb ever detonated which is called the Tsar bomb in Russia and he started to tell me where in Russia they detonated all the bombs so we were sitting there with big world maps you know big encyclopedia uh, map a book that I have and you know I'm looking online and on Google Earth and he's telling me where where the bombs were detonated and everything and sure enough she'd look it all up and that's where they were detonated I mean not I wasn't looking on Google Earth. I was looking in my maps, and then she right. went online afterwards and found out all this stuff. So it's fascinating. That is incredible stuff. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there so we have time to run our um, end of the show things really quick. But thank you both for being here. It's been rather – it's gone some different directions I didn't expect, but it was very enjoyable. And your website is www.spiritart.com if – Someone would like a reading, personal, or to schedule a group reading. Is that right? Yes, and also uh, if they want to sign up for our newsletter, there's a place to sign up for the newsletter so they'll know where where we'll be uh, because we do different uh, groups and at different places. And there's a link to the book, which is the other side of autism.com, and they can go there and there's like there's links to where you can get the book and look at part of the book and read part of the book and all that kind of stuff and there's a little video a cool uh, video on it (laughs) yeah so if you want to do that you can and there's also a blog which I've written um, about some of the things that have happened with us and it's called um, uh, Mystic Mike Mystic Mike's uh, Mystic Michael's Musings oh no yes it is well that's to get to it you've got to go www.mysticmike.com uh, dash mystic 
blogspot.com. Yeah, it's on blogspot. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds, <laughs> we still check that out. Good thing Good thing you guys have each other. <laughs> good, thing, good thing he has you, Marty. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been delightful, and I look forward to seeing you in the future and um, possibly talking to you, but we really appreciate you spending an hour of your time with us. Okay, oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the show, and you have a great evening, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 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 All right, guys. Well, I guess that's a wrap, and um, we're running out of time, and Blog Talk Radio has been crazy, so I'm just going to sneak in the exit unless either one of you, um, including you, Kara, um, have anything profound to say. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> Good night. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening. Thank you guys for being on. And tune in next week. Our, we'll be on at 9 p.m. And so have a great evening, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening on Non Secrets Everything with Dr. Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Listen every Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time, from 7 to 8 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio.